Welcome to Sci-Fi Tech Talk, the podcast where we explore the technology of sci-fi. I'm Jeff Sire, and with me today is Mike McPeak. Hello. And Julie Keel. Hello. And today we're going to be discussing the book uh, Rule 34. Uh, who wrote it? Actually, we, that's the one thing we don't have in the show notes. Charles Stoss. Charles Stoss. So I'll just read the summary. Uh, meet Edinburgh Detective Inspector Liz Cavanaugh, head of the Innovative Crimes Investigation Unit, otherwise known as the Rule 34 Squad. They monitor the internet for uh, potential criminal activity, analyzing trends in the extreme fringes of all explicit content, and occasionally even more disturbing patterns arise. Meanwhile, three ex-cons have been murdered in Germany, Italy, and Scotland. The only things they had in common were arrests for spamming and a taste for unorthodox entertainment. As the first officer on the scene of the most recent death, Liz finds herself sucked into an international investigation that isn't so much asking who the killer is, but what. And if she doesn't find the answer soon, the homicides could go viral. So Rule 34 the, uh, makes reference to an internet meme which stands for, if you can't imagine it, there is pornography about it on the internet. So just as a warning from here on in, there may be some sexualized content. So if you are young and uh, you're unaware of the naughty bits and what they're for, <laughs> time to, to listen. Or time if, to you're, sh- if you're an adult and have young people with you that you don't want them to uh, hear any of that, you... You, you have been warned. Yeah, or you find any of that offensive. Bye, we'll see you next week. <laughs> yes. For another fine episode. Yeah. So, before we get going, I just want to ask you guys, how did you guys, did you guys read this or listen to audiobook? I read it. Okay, and I, I've got full confession. <laughs> this book was at, at, well, it was actually, somebody had recommended it to me at Macworld. I believe it was uh, uh, iElectrons, uh, what's his name, Terry? Um and so, yeah, I was the one who brought it up, and I'm the one who hasn't finished it. So <laughs> I, I hate to admit no. just how far I've gotten, but I was you, reading it. You were reading it. Okay. Yes. Uh, there's, I found it now, so I listened to it on audiobook. Um, so I just want to, <laughs> the style that it's written in, I actually had to look it up. It's called Second Person Singular. So it, rather than telling a narrative story where you're observing they try it's like he's putting you as the main character so it'd be written like uh you step off the bus and look around and this person catches your eye and Mm -hmm. that kind of and i don't how did you guys feel about that like when when i started i found it really disconcerting until like you know after the first couple chapters i started to get into it but i don't think i've ever read read a book like this really yeah i didn't find that even Worthy See, of note. <laughs> at, well, at the time, I was thinking, like, maybe I'm finding this especially weird because it's an audio book. That's possible. Um, yeah. Well, I, it, it took me a while to get into it because um, it wasn't the style so much. I think it's just jumping between characters and trying to keep them straight until, you know, all their paths converge. And then it starts to make sense. But then you got to remember, go back to the beginning to what you read and make sure you keep all that stuff straight. But yeah, and then considering the subject matter, I'm you know for the first part I'm kind of going, oh good grief, what have we gotten ourselves? Right, yeah. The first chapter off the bat is like, whoa, okay. (laughs) Yes, 
Um, but like I say, once you get into it and once it picks up the pace and like I say, everything starts to converge, then I was hooked and then I got into it. You know, that actually reminds me of how Game of Thrones is written. You know, the Song of Ice and Fire, because um, it's, it's, you know, chapter to chapter goes from character to character, and um, yeah, they just interweave with each other, and I'm finding this one to be that way as well. Mm. This is one that you need a mind map to kind of help yeah. keep your characters straight. Yep. Yeah. Now, another thing with me listening to the audiobook, like, I, I thought it was well done, but the, the, the guy that they got to read it... He was definitely Scottish. <laughs> well, the oh book's that way, too. I yeah. mean, if you're not familiar, I, I have recently been hanging out with Brits way too much. Um, and so all of the things that they were referring to in the, in the accents and whatever, I'm like, oh, my God. But I can imagine myself just a few years ago, I'm going, what the hell are they talking about? Because a lot of it is British terminology, British slang, British accents. Yeah. And Yeah, can things and, and, um, oh gosh, all kinds of things. I mean, just every page, every, every, uh, um, character is using some sort of terminology. I mean, everything from, oh, walkabouts and, oh, I'm just looking at some things here. Like, there was a lot of stuff that, I, I don't think I came across anything that I, I, didn't understand what they were talking about, like talking about the car's boot and right. stuff like that. Like, okay, that I was okay on it, but there was some of the slang that they used that was, and, and particularly because it was the audiobook, because he had the accent as well. Oh yeah, I suppose for some of the characters, it was a very, very heavy accent. So right, yeah, and and some of them even reading it was a heavy Disney, and uh, um, oh lord, just all kinds of them. Yeah, let's just say I had lots of visions of uh, Engineer Scotty Montgomery going through my head right. as I read this. Um, so for the tech, let's start with the cops and talk about the the, the different types of tech the cops were using. Uh, probably the biggest thing that uh, went through the whole story was uh, cop space. Right. Yeah. And so it it basic. It, yeah, you go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, basically, just think Google Glass and all the fuss that's being made about that, because that's a lot what it sounds like. Real time, in front of your eye, kind of minority report, flicking the, uh, you know, throw things around and be able to organize and prioritize right in front of your eyes without a screen uh, on you. Well, but, and and this book was written, I believe, back in 2011, so it's a very current book, yeah. and the technology that's talked about in it is very familiar, very today, very very current like you're saying google glass but it's also a bit in the future so it's a little weird as far as time juxtaposition goes too and and, cop space is a great example of that but the the google glass stuff like i can't remember i think they just called them specs or something um that was how they interfaced with cop space that wasn't cop space itself because they talked about other people had those things and that cop space was like they had they would just well, like when she gets to the murder, inve- when she gets to the the crime scene, she would start a wiki, right, through cop space using her specs, and then then other people who were investigating would start to add to it, and then they would like cop space was kind of like this police database net thing, right. that they were interfacing with all the time. SharePoint for cops. Yeah. Yes. And then life logging, which was just basically video uh, recording of 
incidences as it happens so you have that on file so if there's any questions you can go back and refer to it. which again that is just today's headlines i mean that is just current technology Oh yeah, because people are starting to freak out now about Google Glass. Because what about you know, if you walk into a bathroom or a locker room, and I mean, there's all these kinds of social etiquette things swirling about that now that is going to have to be addressed. Yeah. Do you guys do you guys think that that's like a tempest in a teapot stuff, or do you think that like I'm sure if you went back to like the early to mid 1990s, the idea that pretty much every single person would be taking a camera into a bathroom would have been oh my god that, that that's good you know society will collapse and now everybody has a camera on their cell phone right everybody's going into bathrooms and locker rooms and you know nobody like well i think it was probably loses their minds over it. even goes farther back than that i can imagine the telephone at one time was considered a very intrusive thing the damn thing rings sure. you yeah. know and and you're supposed to stop whatever it is you're doing to go answer the the, the bloody thing and um you know so i, I imagine like every kind of new technology like that, the, uh, cell phones are a great example because you know even just talking on them has there has been an etiquette developed. I mean, you still hear people reminding people to you know turn them off when you gather at you know classes or movies or whatever. But th- th- there was a time when you know that wasn't common. I mean, it wasn't that it was uncommon; it just wasn't. Um, habit i guess you know just you you didn't really know what you should do i can remember a few years ago we were down at the mall in sioux falls uh, and this was before bluetooth headsets really had come out and there's this guy walking around the mall talking rather loudly to himself and i'm thinking okay keep an eye on him and then i finally saw the thing in his ear and then i realized that he's on the phone talking to somebody um and you know and you know nowadays i think people have you know learned to overcome that you don't you learn to talk down a little bit a little quieter so you don't draw attention to yourself but the first time you see it's kind of like you know you tilt your head and go what the heck yeah, and and people are somewhat cognizant of the fact that you know the, the technology they're using has an impact on others. So you know, shut up or go it in the hallway or you know, um, you know the the worst one in my mind is it, not, well, I can think of a lot worse, but one of the things in my mind is like you know talking on a cell phone while you're at a checkout counter. You know, yeah. um, it's like sure people do it, but it's not very polite. Um, it's it's people do you, will. Do you think at the at the same time that. Uh, that's probably one of the reasons why, um, why like hand f- hands-free headsets have not really cut o- caught yes. on. They're because still, pe- yeah. People, there's there is a stigma yep. of like I'm going to look like a lunatic. You're an ass if you're yeah, talking on exactly. a Bluetooth. Yeah, you are. You are yeah. one one douchebag if you're talking on a on a Bluetooth headset to yourself yeah. walking through airports. Oh my God, they're the worst. The douchebags all have Bluetooth headsets in airports. Yeah. Because you see far more often people talking on their handsets than actually just talking on uh, even even with. Uh, uh, earbuds and and a mic, right? Yep. Yeah. 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 And I think that's you know I think like you said it's to avoid the douchebag. Uh. <laughs> well, and it, and it I honestly believe some of that is because of um, societal norm. I mean, the yeah. the technology is there. The technology is cool. And yes, your arm can get tired holding your phone to your ear, but holding the phone to the ear sends out social cues that you are talking to somebody on the phone. Yeah. Uh, whereas you know a, a a piece in your ear doesn't send that cue and and yeah so some of the things that you know like you're talking about in this book some of those things that we're kind of still figuring out the social 
part of it is, they've already kind of done that in the book a little bit. It's a little more integrated. Well, except till you get to the end where then a whole nother can of legal issues get opened up. But yeah, that's for the end of the book. But Yeah. Uh, what was some of the other tech that they had? They had uh, I the like segways. The segways that went home. The yeah. segways that you could – they were like a one-way trip on a segway, and then you just jumped off and you know said, go back to yeah. the stable. I uh, want and to, this. And to bring it back to Google again, the self-driving uh, cars, the microbuses, and the segways, they all um, – they were driverless. So, um, And the one thing I thought was kind of cool that you could get on a microbus and you could outbid to have it go to the that place you want. That's cool, yeah. There's an idea for you, Julie, in your bus transportation. There you uh, go. I should have done that. I could have run a 20 by the bus driver and had him you know, stop me off at an illegal stop. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Mm. But, you know, it was perfectly legal. You know, you'd torque off the other passengers, but, you know, you could just outbid them to, because the police would do that a couple times that they needed to get someplace. And their ride had gone because somebody acquired it and just drove off to where it needed to be. And so they had to get on the bus and they just, you know, uh, bid like 20 euros to go to this place and um, charged it to the uh, cops. Yeah. Too cool. Yeah. Solves a problem. (laughs) Several problems. Creates a few. (laughs) Uh, What were some other ones? There was another one I was going to mention. I didn't see, I don't remember anything about the cops' guns or anything. That that seemed to be pretty conventional. I don't really remember them talking about guns. Of course, it was it was in the UK, so that would be that would yeah. make sense, which Guns is interesting. Are not as much of an issue, right? Because the the book cover has the the lady holding a gun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, and also, I thought it was interesting that uh, uh, it's only maybe in the I would guess around twenty thirty. I don't think they say exactly yeah, what the year is. No, but uh, the 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 surveillance, uh, I guess, culture has gotten to the point that it's so good like Edinburgh only has I think they say at one point they only have about one murder a month hmm. so and I'm sure it's higher than that to now <laughs> so well yeah because they're uh, you know I mean even now uh, London I think parts of Europe have the uh, omnipresent surveillance cameras everywhere and it sounds in this uh, story that you know it's that and then they've upped it more because uh, like the guy on parole has um basically the the equivalent of the uh, ankle bracelet on his phone he has to have his phone with him at all times to monitor him and to see where he's going right which i thought that was kind of a little bit i don't know uh, i didn't really buy into that cuz like the ankle bracelet you can't take that off right the phone you could have like you could have left that behind or you know i well, didn't really he had a burner phone and a, uh, a burner pad, uh, which was something they used a lot. And they're basically, I think, you know, they're talking iPads or personal computer type uh, devices that you carry around with them. And so he had uh, an illegal one that he aimed at his cousin, uh, was it Hussein's, uh, they had a, a antenna system set up with an amplifier. So he was getting an illegal signal that way that couldn't be yeah. traced. It did seem like it was something that they could pretty easily get around. Hmm. Yeah, that that whole surveillance um, culture comes up in a lot of sci-fi, and it's it's an it's interesting to see how the different authors wrangle it into you know some sort of livable 
environment and how people operate within it. A lot of, at least the little of the book that I've been through so far, a, a lot of the culture, especially since we're talking to some extent the underworld here, is how to get around the surveillance culture. You know, how do you how do you do things privately when everybody's got a camera and tracking stuff and yeah. taps on your phone and that, that you know everything you yeah. do is recorded and and monitored and analyzed. Yeah, they didn't just have the fixed cameras either. They had the drones that were flying around recording like everything. You know, like even if people weren't, you know, scooping and pooping after their dogs and yeah. Uh, or or picking up their cigarette um when they got done with it. And that yeah. was considered kind of a taboo thing. Not many people had done it, but the one detective did have that nasty smoking habit. He put out a cigarette and then picked it up and put it in his pocket right away so he wouldn't get fined for it. Right. Yeah. I thought there was another thing with the the cops where it talked that each of them had their own personal police blog that was open to the public. And yeah. they were assessed on the number of posts or comments that they got. That was one thing I just read, you know, so it's early on in the book, that at one time they talked about how blogging would have been um, something that you would have gotten you fired, basically. Uh, whereas in this book, it was required for your por- performance review. You know, you basically had to put the stuff up online and have comments and all that other stuff that goes with it. It's like, wow, there's a turnaround. And to some extent, that too is playing off of headlines. That kind of is a trend. Yeah. Um, what? Was there any other cop stuff? Well, the, one thing that I found, you know, intriguing, I think they're finally starting to get there. They had basically dual phone, uh, dual mode phones, which yeah. was you would have a business side, and then you could have a personal side so that they wouldn't necessarily be mixed together, but you wouldn't have to carry two phones around with Those exist, too. Matter of fact, the new Galaxy S4, I think that was talked about this week, features that, and I know the BlackBerry does. So does Windows phones. They're just starting to hit the market now, but that's a relatively new thing. But Yeah. uh, And and like I said, this was written in 2011, so... um, it took a little, not a lot, but a little bit of uh, insight to think that something like that might occur. Well, and, and and I think that's what's interesting with some of these authors. Some of them take technology to the extreme, and others take technology that is just be, beyond their grasp and work with that. And some of them do both. Some of them take really weird freaking stuff that you're like, you know, use your imagination type stuff and combine it with stuff that's, you know, like I say, just beyond our fingertips. And that's what's mm-hmm. cool. Or the one thing that is starting to emerge now uh, that really is uh, kind of center of the book here is 3D printers. Oh, yeah. That's a big one. Yeah. And so they were uh. using it to uh, – they were making counterfeit products of all sorts. I, the way I understood they could do pharmaceuticals. They could do devices. They could do, um, I think, you know, uh, the phones, uh, all kinds of um, – anything that you could – basically print out you could counterfeit and that felt like it was straight out of a ted talk to me the the pharmaceuticals especially i, I swear i just saw a ted talk where they're talking about putting together um, pharmaceuticals on a molecular level through a 3d printer I, um, it, and, and, and the one issue around that that we're st- that we're struggling with right now and i don't know if we're going to get it figured out anytime soon is drm digital rights management <sighs> You know, and that was interesting, too, at how they were trying to fight that, because the idea, I mean, again, headline material, 3D printing of guns is, you know, 
is a debate that's basically going on or beginning to go on right now. And and they were talking in, in the book about how there's um, there's two halves to that. One of which is the design, the 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 code, the the um, you know the DRM type of of plans for it. And the other is the actual materials that go into the 3D printers to produce the physical objects and how they were kind of monitoring what was going on as far as the cyber designs and plans but they were really you know focused in on the materials if they if they couldn't control one they were desperately trying to control the other yeah and it didn't hit me until the end of the book this will be a bit of a spoiler well it will be a spoiler I've, yeah yeah but the uh, the bread mix that they were sending in you add a secret component to it and that would become a material for your uh, your 3D printers Mm-hmm. And so that's because I was wondering what was so uh, why was this bread mix that they were importing so important? Why was everybody coming to get it? It didn't quite click until they got to the end that this was how they were sneaking in material for their um, um, the, their 3D printers. Yeah, that stuff I thought was really neat because they 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 mixed the other ingredient with it and they let it sit and it it uh, generated uh, artificial spider silk. And that was what they were using for the 3D printers so they could print out stuff that was even stronger than steel. Yeah, and the one thing in there about that that I found amusing, uh, since we have kind of warned about naughty bits in here a little bit, the guy was supposed to be 3D printing a basically a sex doll for somebody, and he uh, left his computer on the Internet overnight, and he went and got stoned, and he came back, and his uh, computer had gotten infected with a Trojan, and his 3D printer had started printing out a bunch of dildos with uh, the na- uh, some company name printed across there. Yeah, that was that was kind of amusing, actually. Except, you know, unless you're the guy whose computer, you know, was that early on in the book? I don't yes, know. it was because oh, okay. I've read that already. Okay. Yeah, and like I said, uh, you know, I'm kind of, you know, at this point in the book, I'm kind of going, wow, what have we gotten into? But like I say, as it goes along, then it starts to make more sense, and you know, the text starts to show up, and the story yeah. starts to emerge. Then you get into it, but it, 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 you have to kind of invest a little bit into the book before you start to see the payoff. Mm-hmm. You know, towards the end, what was the deal with the girl who was in the suitcase? What was she a person or was she, I, well? I, I'm pretty sure she wasn't a person. She was like some sort of virtual reality doll or something to that effect. And yeah. I'm still not. And like I say, getting to the very end of the book with that, um, um, the guy that they're chasing, I'm trying to decide if he was what he was because he ends up basically being part of this network that is going after spammers but he is a spammer himself like i said that the, the ending really confused me i was hoping somebody could you know <laughs> if any of our listeners can you know oh. mind map this out please explain it to me i was hoping to have you guys explain it to me so. <laughs> okay. we're all out of luck. my my take on what i thought was happening was that they had created essentially that spam filter and uh, because they'd been trying to make it smarter and smarter, at one point it actually became self-aware. And my, I believe what was going on was the spam filter figured out that uh, the easiest way to stop spammers was to just eliminate them. And then it had manipulated them 
through social media and other things to put them into situations where they could be killed or in some cases actually took actions when they were uh, taking household appliances to get them fixed or whatever and sabot- had them sabotaged so that they could be killed at a later date. Yeah, household equipment with Trojans built into it, uh, you know, viruses. Uh, you know, then I started looking a little cross-eyed at my computer here and was wondering what it might do to me at some point before <laughs> I get off. But, you know, you, get, you start to get a little, you know, maybe not paranoid, but you start to think about possibilities in the future when you do have more uh, appliances that are connected to the net. What could somebody possibly do um, to them to you know invade your privacy in a different way you know is your washer going to report back to somebody you know the unmentionables that you're washing or what kind of detergent that you're using or what kind of you know social metrics could our appliances be getting from us to report back to somebody to have them sell stuff to us oh lord and that's not that far out of i mean you, that's not a stretch honest yeah. to god that is not a stretch well, you think people get creeped out by Facebook? What happens when it moves into your laundry room? Yeah, well, that, that's a good point. Like the guys on the uh, uh, the Gomad show, uh, when I was talking to them at one point, uh, they were talking about Zynga games, and one of the guys was saying, "Like, what's their what's their business plan?" He said, "Because they make all of these games that are all free to play." And the one guy, Rob, had a really good point. He goes, "He said, if you ever come across something like that." Where you're asking, what is their business plan? He said, nine times out of ten, you are their business plan. Because they want you to, they always want you to connect to Facebook through their game. And by doing that, then they're digitally mining you for as much information as they can on you so that they can turn around and sell that to somebody else for. For, for metrics to market you mm-hmm. stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, Dropbox um, just bought Mailbox this week. And that was the same question the whole, you know, everybody was asking. It's like, why? Mailbox doesn't, isn't generating any revenue. It barely has a product, you know, whatever. And yeah, it's, it's, everybody's thinking it's one of two things. They either bought them for their, their talent or they bought them for their customer database. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I've said before, the one thing that makes my mind hurt is time travel. Well, financial um, uh, shenanigans makes my head hurt just as much, maybe more. Because when you start uh, talking about how these things are financed, and then in the story they start talking about a leveraged uh, buyout of the um, – was it the debt of uh, Kyrgyzstan? Yeah. Yeah, in this dummy yeah. – uh, uh, country that they set up, and they're explaining that. And I'm going, jeez, oh, you know, we need a financial expert on this show just to explain that to me because I couldn't quite follow what their strategy was. <laughs> hmm. it, yeah, I, I think the idea was that they they broke off this. They intentionally broke off this uh, republic from Kazakhstan, and. Um, they made it look superficially like they were breaking themselves off, but when they broke away, they forced them to take 80% of the debt, and then they collapsed the country. So they more or less, they treated themselves like a company who they broke off a little part, and uh, and that that part that they broke off took all of the debt, and then that company just declared bankruptcy. So the idea was that, well, then that country fails, and now there's no debt. 
Well, it's so. a Ponzi scheme because I think they had um, investors who were somehow th- – this is where it lost me. Somehow they were buying – you know, hedging against that debt somehow. Um, and yeah, then when but, this collapsed, they, you know, they took it in the shorts. But then there was also <laughs> part of it where they seemed to be targeting as investors organized crime because they that, were – they were intentionally trying to sink, do like a, a like a kind of kill two birds with one stone, and and financially bankrupt these uh, uh, organized crime guys that were investing in this company that was going to go under. Well, bankers organize crime. Sometimes there's a fine line there because yeah. it seemed to me like they were you know we're looking at the financial crisis that we're having in this country now. Uh, you know that kind of involves uh, banks and you know kind of the distribution of uh, money, and they, it sounded like they were trying to make a you know redistribute the wealth from some of these uh, bankers and uh, hedge fund people and you know the financial people that seem to have uh, control of it and kind of get it back into distribution somehow. Well, I have a uh, family member that works in a fairly high position in one of our banks in Canada, and when. Uh, your banks in the states were imploding in 2008. I remember talking to this person saying like are we okay here? And what they said to me was like oh yes, we're fine in Canada because when somebody who works at McDonald's comes into one of our banks and says I would like to buy a house for $400,000, we say get no. away from our bank, right. peasant. Yes. So, and she said like you know, when we deal, when I deal with Americans, they always make fun of us because we leave so much money on the table. But she goes, as as a result of us being conservative, we don't get caught up in, in, right, yeah, running our bank like a casino, right, right. Because that's a big part of the story too. Because they talk about these re- repeated scandals where the whole banking system is more or less imploded at one point, completely imploded, mm-hmm. to the point that they. Uh, they don't. They don't go into a lot of details, but they say that they're actually in a deflationary uh, period where people are just not spending money, and the money's becoming more and more valuable. Hmm. Yeah, which that you know, I, I know in the long run, that's even worse than inflation. Yes. Yep. Yeah. yeah. This is this is an interesting story because so much of it is tied into current headlines you know it's just taking our current culture and economics and society and tweaking it just a little bit a little over the edge yes. um and then playing games with possibilities yeah like even just uh, some of the uh when people kept turning up dead with uh from uh Oh, what do you call them? Like, like uh, appliances. Mm-hmm. What some of the things they were talking about? Like they were talking about meat extruders, where you, they would just put in kind of raw materials, and your appliance, like your countertop appliance, would grow you meat and extrude it out for you. Yeah. We did have pink slime. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yummy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just. You know, yeah, they take it and then they, you know, just kind of extrapolate what could possibly happen. Then let's just throw in, you know, a runaway uh, consciousness in there. You know, a uh, uh, you know a network that's become self-aware. Um, and even when they're talking about, you know, how to uh, trick people into it, you know, they were talking about um, these bots basically have gotten to the point where they just don't send out one thing to try and uh, draw you into something. They construct a whole social network uh, with multiple 
points coming at you to draw you into this scenario because at this point people have gotten smart enough to realize that just sending one spam to somebody they'll get smart and they'll ignore it but if you kind of have a friends of a friend uh, scenario going on then you start to think well it's coming from multiple directions so there must be something to it and the you know the fact that these spam bots have gotten sophisticated enough to get to that level of uh, intrigue to try and draw people in I thought was rather interesting Mm. A little what? frightening too. <laughs> I, I I like this book, but I I did find it really confusing as to actually what was happening, and I was hoping that when I got to the end, it would kind of like, you know, treat me like the dummy I am and explain to me what had happened, and it didn't quite do that. <laughs> no, because like when this Athena, the um, spam yeah. fighting uh, network pulls the plug on that guy I you know thought that they were out this guy was out to get Athena but she was at, uh, the, 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 com- the p- computer was part of him somehow and just pulled the plug and just left him like they called him a meat puppet um, see it, I wondered if that was how it achieved consciousness because they said that they had implanted something into his brain uh, to prohibit him from doing things and then Athena at the end was saying that she had been part of him. So I wondered if maybe that was the kind of trigger that caused her to become self-aware. And she grew to the point where she didn't need him anymore. And then she was able to eliminate him at the end of the book. Well, that's plausible because they were talking about him having a skull phone implanted in him so that he could always make contact with the home office. Yeah. Uh, when his, uh, I, uh, his uh, identity goes south. He has to get a different one, and so he kind of, you know, puts a call in using the skull phone, and uh, they arrange things for him. Mm-hmm. It, so that's a plausible explanation. Like I said, I went back and reread that last chapter, and I'm still kind of scratching my head. But I think I need to go back further in this guy's life um, and see that point where this all happened. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a it's a relatively new book, so I'm not aware of any sequels or anything. Well, well I, I looked around trying to find like a, a plot synopsis or something, and yeah. there's not much. Like I, I looked on like in uh, Wikipedia and some, I, I found some well, reviews of the book, but they didn't really explain. Well, that's interesting because on iTunes, um, there is a Rule Thirty Four Study Guide for ten bucks. Costs more than the book. <laughs> um, of course, it does. But. For what it's worth, you know, I suppose a person could get the sample and take a look at it, but Comprehensive Summary and Analysis of Rule 34 by Charles Strauss includes a detailed plot summary, chapter summaries and analysis, character descriptions, object places, theme styles, quotes, and topics for discussion. Somebody's teaching it somewhere. Oh, I can totally see this as a book that you would read in, I would guess, high school, like uh, in... Your latter years of high school. Actually, the the target audience is also listed as freshman college, so you're yeah. you're, you're pretty pretty close there. Yeah. Well, I could see it being an intro to um, artificial intelligence, um, into uh, current the, studies. You know. Yeah, that too. Uh, you know, compu- maybe not computer architecture, but you know, like say wrapping your head around kind of the way spam works. Um, you know, as part of a computer science class, I could see it. So I could see it being, you know, uh, a starting off point for several classes. Yeah. Mm. Well, social networking as well. Like, like, uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff. 
even a good psychology class because this book is well a little cycle. Maybe a lot. (laughs) Yeah, or even the deviant uh, sexuality class. Yeah, be a good fit there too. Or or police, criminal justice, you know, Um, political science, maybe even. That was a a kind of a neat part that they they talked about how uh, how kind of technology has completely changed policing. And uh, it's not just kind of the macho thing. Like it's, it's, it's really more of an investigative thing than just kind of uh, we rough people up and you know well, put pressure on them until they tell tell us what we want to hear. Right. Well, you know the one thing that we really haven't addressed, which is the Rule Thirty Four Squad, which is just a bunch of um, what they call them uh, net monkeys or um, yeah. Uh, that just basically, they have to sit there and comb through the internet looking for all this deep material, which I felt would, that would be a job that has a high burnout. Actually, you hit the nail on the head. There actually are people that do that for Google. Those are the people who you know find the um, stuff that you don't want to see, and that's exactly it. They have an extremely high burnout rate. They have PTSD. You know, when they're done, um, it's just horrific, some why of the stuff they run across. To, why would you need to set that up? Why wouldn't you just set up a, a response thing and just have a way, you know, just wait for people to report it? Because somebody's, some, I don't know exactly how Google's work, but perhaps that is exactly it. They they hear something, somebody reports something, and then they've got to go investigate to, you know, see if it's yeah. legit. And, and, yeah, no, I've heard of these people that they, they just, I mean, it's brutal. Yeah. Well, I know that Google has uh, gotten several people, several podcasters angry because of their takedown notices that with their, they've got, you know, bots basically that scan podcasts and if they see any copyrightable material, they'll pull the, the podcast down and then the people have to go back and get it reinstated. And I know they've gotten, you know, a certain amount of flack for that. So I think they're trying, you know, perhaps they're trying to be proactive and investigate it before they pull it down. Now, the problem with like YouTube is you're putting up, what is it, 10 hours of video every hour or i forget yeah what it's incredible it's an amount that they couldn't monitor but you know they would have to go and investigate the um the problems that come in yeah i heard an interview with uh, a cop who was on the child pornography squad in uh, toronto and he had uh, written like he said they were just overwhelmed with information and he said when you watch CSI and stuff like that you get this idea that you know like everything's high tech and he said like cops are not like that he said they're just like you know a couple of people with PCs sort of thing and he said it's not nearly like they show it on TV and he was really frustrated so he just wrote an email and just addressed it to Bill Gates and just said like you guys are like the kings of you know data and you know like if you could help me out this would be great and apparently somebody goes through those emails that go to Bill Gates. They forward it to somebody, and they came back to him. They sent a t- uh, team from Google – or sorry, from Microsoft Canada, and they, mo- they, they assembled uh, like database. It was just more or less a, a – made them a program to coordinate all of their database information. Hmm. And that led to multiple arrests. And he said, <sighs> while, they, while they were working on it, they gave these guys from Microsoft the option of like, well, do you want to see what it is you're working on? And uh, I guess a few of those these guys said yes. And one of the people that they talked to, this guy said, he goes, they, they had 
I think it was three or four pitchers that were upside down. And he said, we're just going to turn these pitchers over. And uh, he said, just one at a time. And if you don't want to see any more, that's fine. And he said, they turned over the per- first pitcher. And he said, he goes, this changed from just a project that I was working on to something. This is the most important thing I have ever Determine, done in my yeah. life. And he, said, I, and he said, he never saw any other pitchers. And he said, he, like, yeah, so it was, yeah, it was something. And these guys were saying, like, essentially what they did was they just wrote uh, uh, database software that just enabled them to take these millions of uh, pictures and pieces of data that they had and coordinated them together that led to arrests all over the, all over the world. Cool. Mm. Having had Microsoft major database back in blow up on me, which is why I didn't get the book read this week. I'm not sure you've given me much comfort. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, bad memories there. Bad, bad memories. Anyway. But this yeah, this is the world that we live in, though. I mean, you know, it, we're all uh, starting to get connected by, you know, computers. And if the cops can get connected, and you know, start taking down the criminals, but you know, then it raises the whole privacy issue. Um, you know, at what point does the need to stop criminals override a person's privacy? And at what point is our whole life on display? Well, that's the issue of the day now, isn't it? Yes, that is. That is. You know, our our generation, this time point in history, that's going to be the major thing that we wrestle with, and that comes out the the far end. You know, we, we have not ever had the ability to track people like we do now, and what who who does that? What we do with it? How far we let it go? What we trade off for it? Those, I mean, at least in my mind, those are some of the big things that are going to come out of you know the twenty first twenty whatever century we're in. The 20, what are we, 2013? The 20-teens? 2020s? 21st century. Yeah. In the next couple decades, basically, that's going to be just a major, major thing. And like I said, there's no easy answer to any of this. And, yeah, we're at a pivotal point here that, you know, it could either go to uh, either police state or, you know, maybe, you know, running amok. Maybe we'll find that, you know, balance in there that... And I don't think it'll probably be balanced so much as kind of swerving from one side to the other. I don't know that we're ever going to find like a nice, quiet middle ground. Yeah, we never do. There was something at one point where they said like uh, if they were monitoring a person so much, um, they could pretty much predict – like do predictive crime, right? So they, they like if they knew that this oh. person had been I can't remember where it was in the book, but they talked about they knew a person was on edge and then because they were monitoring the their purchases, well they knew that they were buying things that could be they could extrapolate that this person was going to do some sort of violent act. And I don't know if they actually went and arrested them ahead of time or not, but like yeah. Well minority I, report, yeah. Yeah. Sort yeah. of but I also seem to think that they were going to try and social engineer him possibly into a less um, violent alternative by, by using social networks they're going to try and interact with him and maybe kind of, kind of try to steer him in a different direction to perhaps maybe keep him from uh, committing a you know violent crime or maybe as violent a crime or something. I kind of got that they were playing around with that aspect too. Yeah. Crazy stuff. Makes your head hurt. <laughs> I'm with yep. you, Mike. Yep. Well, do we, uh, is there any more tech stuff to go over? 
Um, I think we pretty much covered most of this stuff. Yeah, I think we have. I guess about the only one other thing that uh, in there was the crime scene robots. Rather than having human beings contaminate a crime scene, they would send in robots that would be you know free of any DNA material. Yeah. Because, you know, DNA has become such an important part of, you know, criminal investigation now, even down to a, a small little bit left here or there, that I could see them really wanting to be really uptight about controlling human interaction with the crime scene until it all been uh, detected and analyzed. And that, too, is just on the edge of where we're at, because we do have police robots. Uh, we do have fire department robots, so, you know, mostly in dangerous situations, bomb squad robots, you know, burning buildings type of stuff. But you, it doesn't take much to imagine that going in looking for other things. Yeah. I liked it when they were walking into the crime scene and she, they were just like uh, going through with the glasses and they were just visually tagging everything and then talking. So it was it was a really efficient way to record their crime scene. Mm-hmm. Well, that and then that the the crime towards the end of the book there where they put plastic up and basically you walk through this tunnel and the bots are back behind the plastic running up and down the halls and the walls and everything else looking for uh, mater- uh, evidence. And then they, the room is uh, pl- uh, uh, cordoned off with a plastic bubble that you could see through, but there was bots in there examining the victim, taking pictures, collecting DNA, looking for fingerprints. I mean, they had that part all automated, and like I could understand keeping the human out of the, the loop for that part of it. Right. Yeah. You know, this is interesting. I was saying this is just headline stuff. Seriously, headline, one minute old at this point, from The Verge. Incautious porn scrapes erotic solicitations to highlight the art of extortion. Which is like straight out of this book. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's like, "Ah!" oh my gosh. Anyway, it's, yeah, it's, uh, that's, in my mind, that's one of the best things about science fiction is it can wrestle with. You know, societal problems. You know, the whole Jurassic Park thing. Just because you can doesn't mean you should type yeah. of stuff. And um, um, and what what are the consequences of that? And what exactly does that mean if you carry it out uh, to its extreme or even just a little bit beyond where it is now? And this book is great at that, from what I can see. It's just, you know, take the things we have today, just stretch them a little bit and see what happens. Yeah. So if you guys could have one piece of the tech that's in this book, what would it be? What about uh, what about you, Julie? I want the segue. I want a segue <laughs> I can call up on demand and send home when I don't need it. Let's see. The segue would be, not, I wish I had one around school sometimes because I'm at like one end of the school and I got to go to the other end to do something and walking back. There's times I wish I had one, but I think the one that I would uh, like to have would be kind of the Google Glass type um, set up because I'm terrible with names and something that would just be able to oh this is so and so and you know give me their information so I don't have to sit there and look like a social dork trying to figure out who this person is that I'm talking to that I know that I've met somewhere before but I'm completely blanking out as to their uh, history with me mm-hmm. I think I would take the uh, Google Glass as well like I really I thought that was pretty neat mm. those days are coming yeah uh, anything else you guys want to say before we wrap up? Any, what do you guys think of the possibility for a sequel? Do you think it's set up for that? 
Well, well this this book I read somewhere is like a loose sequel to another book. Uh, uh, I I don't think it's I don't think any of the characters are the same, but I think it's sort of set in the same world. Yeah, it says it's a loose sequel to Halting State, and I don't know anything about that book. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, so and I don't know if there's other books that this guy has written. I don't know if uh, you know they follow the same theme or not. But uh, yeah, it had a bit of a Blade Runner feel to it. You know, yeah. So that main character, uh, Liz Cavanaugh, the detective inspector, I think you could continue on with her. Mm-hmm. She was she, uh, more than interesting enough to be continue on as a main character. Um, but I think it. Just just writing wise, if if he did that, I think you'd kind of run the risk of uh, turning it into a Sherlock Holmes kind of uh, you know uh, mystery. Each novel's a mystery sort of thing, mm-hmm. and I, I don't think that's his point. No, uh, yeah, I pulled up the plot summary for Halting State. Uh, I won't read the whole thing, but basically, a cyber crime has been committed in a massively multiplayer online role playing game. Jeez. <laughs> A robbery of several thousand euros worth of prestige items occurs in the game's central bank, led by a bank of band of orcs and dragon for fire support. Uh, <laughs> oh God, this is just way too close to home. Actually, they had a uh, a thing at the end of the audio book where they they read the first little bit of it, and uh, I, it, it was kind of neat because like when they talked about it, it said that uh, the initial. Police response seemed to be, yeah, whatever. This is you know goofy dragons and orcs, but in the end, they said like, no, this is going to cause like a company's collapse mm-hmm. because it's destabilized this online environment. So it's like, yeah, it, it's a crime. Yep. Uh, yeah, just looking at you know through here, a couple blurbs that pop out at me. They're talking about um, root key servers uh, compromised by Chinese hackers. I mean, they certainly got a lot of buzzwords and you know, and the stuff that's taking place today because the Chinese are certainly a, a security concern. And, um, so, yeah, I think this guy kind of has his pulse on the well, cyber world. Well, I guess if you think about like World of Warcraft, they yep. have like 9 or 10 mil- million people paying $15 a month. Yep. And uh, if if you were able to hack that to render that environment unusable, yep, like that's a huge yep loss. So yeah, that's they would, the first uh, thing I thought of as he was describing it. I'm like you just described, wow, yeah. yeah. And you have a bunch of angry geeks out there. That is not a good thing. No, that would, yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway. I, uh, you know, angry geeks that know how to run the internet. That could be bad. Yep, anonymous strikes again. <laughs> So, anyway. Okay, well, that uh, wraps up this episode of Sci-Fi Tech Talk. You can check us out at scifitechtalk.com or follow us on Twitter at Sci-Fi Tech Talk. If you have any ideas or comments, please send them to sci-fi tech talk at gmail.com. And reviews on iTunes are always welcome. Uh, Mike, where can people find you in cyberspace? Yeah, I can be found on Twitter at DSC Chipman, and I have an about.me page at about.me slash Mike McPeak. That's P-E-E-K. Awesome. Julie, so where can people find you? I, too, can be found on Twitter at Julie Keel, J-U-L-I-E-K-U-E-H-L. And you can check out uh, my about.me page at about.me slash Julie Keel. And people can find me at uh, Twitter at Bronco Sire, S-Y-E-R, I, where I just changed my avatar to commemorate the 
passing this week of a Canadian icon, Stomp uh, Tom Connors. Yep. So, uh, uh, so that's it for this show, and we'll see you in the future. Where do you want to It's the sci-fi tech. Where do you want to